Hey guys, welcome to a special bonus episode of the podcast just for Thanksgiving. But don't tell anybody, you could use it anytime. I just want you to consider this recording a confidence booster for a day full of carbohydrates. Let me thank our sponsors, Omnipod and Dexcom. There won't be any ads in the podcast today, but still go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to find out more about the Omnipod insulin pump. It is tubeless. It is absolutely fantastic. We've been using it forever. Go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box or the link in your show notes to find out more. The podcast is also brought to you by Dexcom, makers of the G5 continuous glucose monitor. Nothing I do with my daughter could be done nearly as well without the Dexcom. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box or the link in your show notes. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should ever be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before being bold with insulin. What you are about to hear is my description of how I'm going to handle Thanksgiving Day and how I handle every day for my daughter living with type 1 diabetes. And one last reminder, Bold with Insulin t-shirts are now available at juiceboxpodcast.com. They come in black or pink. There's something for everybody Check them out when you're done here. Just going to go through a couple of ideas, talk about them very briefly, and then I'm gone. You ready? Let's jump right in. When I'm making insulin decisions for Arden, I have a bunch of tenets, just some basic concepts that I consider each time. So I'm going to mention one, and then I'm going to talk about it for a little bit. Here's the first one. Do you find yourself of being accepting of high glucose levels, higher than you want them to be, because you're afraid of the insulin? I understand if that's how you feel, but you need to get over that. You have to get past that part until you dispense with your fear and stop looking at a 200 and going, well, 200's not bad. 150's not too bad. At least it's not 250. Until you can stop doing that in your own head, it's going to be difficult to move on. So you have to dispense with the fear. Fear and diabetes do not go hand in hand unless you let them. Insulin is like fire, in as much as it should be respected but not feared. It's a simple concept. Sometimes it's hard to bring into practice. Don't be afraid. Be bold. You'd much rather have a lower blood sugar to deal with than a higher blood sugar to deal with, especially on Thanksgiving. I mean, wouldn't you rather have a 60 than a 260? Right? Wouldn't you rather be fighting with a a 70 diagonal down that might need a little more food, especially on a day when there's so much food around the house anyway, than a 270 diagonal up. You don't want to be fighting with a 300. That's sort of how a day like Thanksgiving gets ruined. You get a blood sugar up and now the anxiety, uh, the guilt, and the insulin, and you're bolusing. Eventually you crack the 300. All of a sudden it's crashing down. You'd much rather just over, overdo it a little bit with insulin and then just have to stop a little bit of a low. The next thing you need to consider is action time. How long does your insulin take to begin working? And how does that affect your blood glucose? You need to understand that. You're never going to be able to balance the insulin and the carbs together if you don't understand how the insulin works. When the insulin goes in, how long until it starts moving my blood sugar? This is incredibly important to understand and very easy to figure out. Whatever your blood sugar is right now, if it's 150 and you haven't had insulin for a few hours, give yourself some insulin. When do you see it start to move? Do a little testing little trial and error, figure it out. Once you understand how long it takes for the insulin to begin working, that is a key building block for the rest of what you're going to do. Okay, next big thing, big part. Here we go. When your blood glucose levels are high, you've likely mistimed, miscalculated, or a combination of the both, your insulin. 
exactly the same. If your blood sugar is low, you have mistimed, miscalculated, or possibly a combination of those two. You've lost the balance between carbs and insulin. But there's no great secret about why your blood sugar is high. We sometimes can get caught up in the whys. Like, is it because of my pump is old or maybe my insulin's too old? You see people all the time going through all the myriad of things. Why is my kid's blood sugar 250? I can't figure it out. Here's why. You don't have enough insulin. The reason you don't have enough insulin really isn't important in the moment. More insulin. But the idea, it's something to understand in a bigger way because it has applications throughout diabetes. If your blood sugar is high, you haven't used enough insulin. And if your blood sugar is low, you've used too much insulin. Now maybe that's a balance between the timing and the amount, but still, it's a basic concept that will hold true over and over again. Here's a simple rule of thumb I use all the time. It cannot be overstated. Trust yourself and what your experiences with diabetes have taught you. It's very simple. I mean, it's a convoluted sentence that makes the point. You have to believe that what you know is going to happen is going to happen, right? If I bolus this much, I know this is going to happen. If he eats that, but I don't give him insulin until he's done, I know this is going to happen. You have to trust that you know what's going to happen is going to happen, and then you need to do something to stop it from happening. Here's another one that's very important, especially on Thanksgiving. Don't confuse carb counting with carb understanding because not all carbs are created equal. You can't just say, well, that's 30 carbs. It's going to do this. It needs this much insulin. That's not true. 30 carbs of one food may affect your blood sugar much differently than 30 carbs of another food. It is much better for you to look and say, that's two slices of bread. I know when two slices of bread are consumed, it requires this much insulin. Forget that two slices of bread or five carbs less if it's that kind of bread or five carbs more for that kind of bread. How much insulin is it going to take for those slices of bread? When you look at a pile of stuffing, how many pieces of bread are there? How much insulin is that going to take? Don't worry about the count or the amount or the weight. Worry about what you know. What happened last time when I ate this sandwich? How much insulin did it take? Let's say I looked at a food and I thought I counted all my carbs. I said, that's five units of insulin. Then I gave the five units of insulin, I did a reasonable pre-bolus, and still my blood sugar ended up at 250, and I had to do three more units to bring it back down to where I wanted it. Well, if it took five units up front and three units to bring it back, you probably needed eight units of insulin. Give it all up front, get rid of the spike. If you really time the pre-bolus well, and we're going to talk about pre-bolusing in a minute, but if you really time that pre-bolus well, maybe you don't need the full eight. Maybe it's only seven. These numbers are specious. They're not... They're not specific to you, but you need to figure that part out. I used this much, then this happened. So I needed this much more. I probably needed that whole amount up front. That's the rule. I can tell you that I bolus the amount that I think is correct. I really never count carbs. I never worry about what my insulin to carb ratios tell me. I worry about what I historically know that food is going to require. Same thing with the high blood sugar. I see a, a high blood sugar that's stuck and I need to bolus for it. I don't worry about what the pump says. I worry about what works. Okay, basal rates. For those of you who are pumping, if you find yourself bolusing all the time, your basal rates are probably not correct. You should not need to bolus just to keep a blood sugar where you want it. Don't be afraid to adjust your basal rates, even temporarily. Well, let's use Thanksgiving as an example. If there's going to be more food and it, the food is going to be more consistent than usual on Thanksgiving, increase your basal. By how much? 
I don't know. I can't tell you. You can figure that out. But I can tell you that when I make adjustments to Arden's basal rates, I usually move them 30% of the time. When she has a growth spurt and I'm starting to bolus too much to keep blood sugars where I want them, and I raise her basal rate, I raise it by 30%. I see what happens. So you can use temporary basils on days where you're going to be really food heavy. I think on, you know, on Thanksgiving, I'm going to talk about what our day is going to be like at the end, but I'm going to start setting temp basils for Arden right away in the morning. Managing type 1 diabetes is all about understanding the limitations of man-made insulin, having the nerve to be bold when you're using it, and most importantly, acting first. When you wait for diabetes to attack you, you will always be on the defense. Act. Don't react. I'd rather bolus and have something happen than at least I can say, okay, I did this and that happened. Next time I'll do this. It brings up a very simple formula for diabetes. It's the, it's the E equals MC squared of the juice box podcast. I bolus to half a unit. The blood sugar moved 40 points. I wanted it to move 80 points. So next time I'll bolus a unit. I bolus 10 units, but my blood sugar still went up to 150. Maybe next time I'll do this much. I did this. This happened. I wanted this to happen. Next time I'll do this. The E equals MC squared of the juice box podcast. Okay, let's talk about pre-bolusing and the tug of war of the carbs and the insulin. I want you to picture a tug of war between the carbohydrates and your insulin. In the middle of the rope is a flag. Now, unlike most tug of wars, the goal isn't for one side to win. The goal is for both sides to pull and the flag to never move from the center. That is the balance of your blood sugar, that flag. If you start eating when your blood sugar is 180, you're going to be high. There's not a lot you can do about it unless you're incredibly aggressive with, with insulin at the time. And that's maybe hard for some of you to do. So give yourself a chance at these meals and pre-bolus. Now, I can't tell you how much of a pre-bolus is right, but we did talk earlier about understanding how your insulin works. Get that understanding of yourself. Can I give myself insulin 15 minutes before I eat? Can I give it to myself 10 minutes, 20 minutes? It, It differs for everybody. But what you want to happen, when the food starts affecting your body, you need the insulin to already be working. So that while the carbs are pulling up on your blood sugar, the insulin is pulling down. And they're fighting and they're pulling on that tug of war rope. But they're not winning. No one's winning because no one got a head start. You give one of them a head start, that's going to be the side that wins. If the carbs pull first, then they're always going to be winning. And you're going to have a hard time to get back into that game. Unless you add so much insulin that eventually you'll all go crashing the other way. You don't want that. If the insulin pulls too soon before the carbs start working, you're going to get really low. And you don't want that either. You want the insulin and the carbohydrates to pull at the same time. And the most important thing is they need to stop pulling at the same time. A low after a meal just means that you had insulin left in your body after the carbs were gone. A high after a meal means you had carbs left in your body after the insulin was gone. It's all about the timing. Remember what I said. If your blood sugar is high, you've either miscalculated or mistimed. And if your blood sugar is low, you've either miscalculated or you've mistimed. A significant pre-bolus, one that allows the insulin to be working when the food starts working, is key. If you want to stop a spike at a mealtime, that's it. Now, if you didn't stop the spike, don't just wave your hands and go, oh, I got it wrong. You see a blood sugar that's going up, attack it, especially if you have a Dexcom CGM. Stop the arrow. But I mean, with a big carb-heavy meal like this, your kid eats, 
Test again in a half an hour. See where you're at. If you're 200 a half an hour after a meal, you miscalculated or mistimed. You may need more insulin. How much more is up to you. But you want to stop that rise and get it back where you want it without overtreating. And that is really one of the last points. You can't overtreat. You can't overtreat a low. You can't panic and pack in the whole refrigerator for a low. And you can't panic and pack in too much insulin for a high, where you will be up and down all day long. It's about bumping and nudging your blood sugar. If you have a Dexcom, think of that line on your CGM graph as something you're just trying to nudge, just up and down, like a little video game, just trying not to leave the lines. And if you're testing and you don't have a CGM, test frequently and bump and nudge and bump and nudge. Keep pushing that blood sugar back to where you want and and expect good things for yourself. Set a goal for yourself of around 100, of around 80, of around 90. Because often you get what you expect, especially with a CGM. Please move your tolerance lines to a lower spot. You don't want a high tolerance on your CGM of 200. It's too late by then. Put it at 130. React up front. Remember what we said. You're either going to attack or be attacked. You would much rather act first. So see a 130 diagonal up, bump it with a little bit of insulin. See a 70 diagonal down, bump it with a tiny bit of of, of carbs, or maybe you could even stop a 90 diagonal down by just restricting your basal for a little bit. You'd much rather do little bumps than giant corrections. As someone once said, high blood sugars cause low blood sugars because you're sending so much insulin and you're bound to get a low later. When you bump and you nudge, they're just these tiny little corrections. They don't really have the opportunity to push you too far one way or the other. So on Thanksgiving morning, we're going to wake up. We're going to follow one of my wife's family traditions of having cinnamon buns. Now I'm going to get up a little bit before my daughter to make sure that her blood sugar is nice and low and steady so that when I pre-bolus for these cinnamon buns, I have a good starting point for the day. There's nothing more important than a good starting point. After that, there's going to be food around the house all day. I'm going to be using temp basal rates increased. I will stop them and start them as need be. When it's time for the meal, I'm going to look at the plate. I'm going to do my best to decide how much insulin this is going to take, and I am going to pre-bolus. I am going to be bold when I pre-bolus. And I'm going to try to time the food in my daughter with the insulin beginning to work to get that tug of war that we talked about. If I miss either with too much insulin or too little insulin, I'm going to make small adjustments. And I'm going to keep on top of it during the day. It's going to take a little bit of effort, but not a lot. And I'll tell you what, it's way better than having blood sugars all day that make you feel sick to your stomach, that give your kids a foggy feeling, that make them have a terrible time and give you the guilt that you know you don't want. And if you're an adult living with type 1 diabetes, trust me, it's much easier to pay attention up front to make these small decisions that give you good outcomes than it is to be stuck thinking about this all day long. Towards the end of the day, we'll do our best when the pie comes out and the ice cream and all that to keep ahead of it. And if she gets a little low at some points, we'll add a fast-acting carb where it's necessary. Because it is far easier to stop a low or falling blood sugar than it is to affect a high one. But I'm not going to let this day be ruined by the fear and the anxiety and high blood pl- and high blood sugars. I don't think you should either. Please remember that nothing you heard today is advice, medical or otherwise. I wish you a ton of luck and success on Thanksgiving. I hope that being bold helps you. And if you're listening after Thanksgiving, these things that I do, they, I do them every day of the year, not just on Thanksgiving. I just thought today would be a really nice day to say happy Thanksgiving. Here's some of the things we've been talking about in the last 138 episodes of the Juice Box Podcast. Please, if you're just finding this episode now, go back and listen. There are hundreds, literally 
of conversations with people just like you. We talk about type 1 diabetes, what it's like to live with it, what it's like to try to management. These kinds of tips and tricks are scattered throughout every episode. I think you'll love them. Thanks so much to Dexcom and Omnipod for sponsoring the podcast. Go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox and myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox to find out more or click on the link in your show notes. And please buy some Bold with Insulin t-shirts. We're going to use the money from that to fund bringing the podcast out in the public to you, bringing it to you in real life. You can find out more about those t-shirts and see how cool they are. They're a great quality at juiceboxpodcast.com. I'll talk to you next week.